I'm so excited to talk to you guys about today's sponsor, Pros. Pros is the custom beauty brand that is all over your feed. I had been wanting to try them for so long. And when I tell you guys that I put on my Instagram story that they were going to be sponsoring the podcast, I got so many genuine organic responses from my following of people being like, oh my God, I love Pros. I've been using it for years. So don't even just take it from me, but take it from the genuine people that reached out agreeing with me about how much they love Pros. And when Pros says custom, they actually mean it. Each and every bottle of Pros custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. One of the coolest parts of the questionnaire that I thought was they literally asked me about my location and my zip code so that they could understand how hard the water is here, what the UV index is like, if it's cold, if it's dry, and all of that goes into these truly personalized products. Pros even did a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, and Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. So try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering the Artie Friends listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros, P-R-O-S-E dot com slash Artie Friends. That's pros.com slash Artie Friends for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash Artie Friends. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Artie Friends Podcast. This is Allison, and I am joined by my friend, Amber Michelle Gian Gregorio. Ooh, look at you say my name so beautifully. I am fluent in Italian. <laughs> <laughs> is it Italian? Yeah. Okay, okay. It's so funny because the last time I was on this podcast, I had a different name. You were Amber Bowdler. Mm-hmm. How does it feel to be newly married woman, new last name? Yeah, I mean, the last time I was on here, I just feel like a completely different person. Like, what was that, three years ago? It'll be three years in January, yeah. Wow. So That's you're so coming crazy. back for to rebrand yourself as the Amber from the podcast. Yeah, let's do, let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> she is back and she's better than ever. And we're having you on today to talk about your new book, yes. Seasons of Sobriety. Yes, I'm so excited. I just feel so grateful to be here because you and Kara, which Miss Kara, wish she was here because that first podcast, we did it all in person, which I'm so happy first off that we are doing this in person. But you guys have created such a safe place to host conversations like this one of talking about sobriety and things like this. So I just want to say thank you for even willing to have this conversation. Oh my 
gosh, of course. Yeah, thank you for coming up to Omaha. Yeah. For reference for the listeners, Amber lives in Kansas City, and you guys know Carol lives in St. Louis. I live in Omaha, so for the first episode, we all met up in Kansas City, which is fun because it's like halfway. Kansas City is halfway between Omaha and St. Louis. Wait, I forgot. That was your guys' first episode, the one I was on? You were our first guest, actually. Okay. Ever. That's what it was. Our first episode was like a get to know us, and then we had a second episode, and then you were episode number three but our very first guest. Okay, yay. That's so fun. That's I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, how does that feel? You were the, of everyone we know, <laughs> you were the first person we wanted on our show. No, that feels really good, especially to see like how much you guys have grown since then. So it was kind of like a little idea and then it's blown into this like, wow, you guys actually have a huge following listeners. You're impacting lives by sharing your stories. So it's cool to see. Like, I'm so proud of you guys. Well, you threw us a bone by coming on our new podcast. And now we're returning the favor by this is your first book and we can hype yay, you up. Yay. That's what friends are for. Hey, yes. <laughs> we're in now you, you're starting a podcast as well. Yeah. So my podcast, I don't even know if I like sometimes I call it a podcast and then I'm like, it's a YouTube channel. It's this because I started it just to like get more conversations with other authors in Kansas City. Just I'm really focused on surrounding myself with people that I want to be more like. So that was kind of the inspiration. I'm like, and it's a good little extra social media post. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like always needing content. The experience that's happening in real life of getting to connect with those people and have those conversations is what's most important. And then getting the content is the cherry on top. Totally. And that's something that you and I were talking about right before we hopped on was just enjoying real life right now. Mm. It's, you know, we have so many social media platforms these days and there's TV and there's screens fucking everywhere. And to tie in with today's episode being about how to publish a book and your whole journey with that and sobriety, remembering that there's a lot of life off screen, I feel like is so important and it seems so obvious, but like in our day to day, whether it's like work or leisure activities, it's so easy to be behind a screen for like the better part of a day. Totally. Especially with TV. So you said your TV broke. Yeah. Recently. So before I started dating Clay, like I never had a TV. And then when we were doing our living room, like he wanted one. And I was like, you know, it's nice to have like for movie nights and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it was maybe like a month ago. Like I never really watched TV ever in the summer because I just feel like I'm doing stuff. But transparently, I've been having like legit like some carpal tunnel type of stuff going on in my left hand. Oh, damn. From, but it's like in my palm. It's like not my wrist. Hmm. I don't know, but it's, I think it's going to be a new version of carpal tunnel. That's like the smartphone version because the left corner of my phone like sits on that thumb muscle. Whoa. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And so like my left hand holds the majority of the weight of my phone and then my right is like tap, 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 tap. And so that thumb muscle. You has, can feel it being like overly active. Yes. And it's because I've had this partnership with Lemonade and I run everything for 1404. I have all these emails. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm checking on podcast stuff. Hardly have, if you guys are wondering where I went on Instagram, it's literally because my thumb fucking hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I like cannot, I'm like, I already have so many required posts and emails that I need to do. Like I physically cannot like be on my phone anymore. And so I've been like listening to more podcast and I was like you know maybe I should like watch a movie and then I like went to 
like I literally asked Clay for like, the Disney Plus password or something and it like the TV just like wouldn't turn on and I was like oh maybe I'm an idiot like maybe I don't know how to turn it on mm-hmm. and no it like burnt out or something and I was like okay this is a sign that like I need a non-screen hobby. Okay, I actually love that because it's kind of the opposite with me and my husband. So my husband doesn't watch TV. Like straight up doesn't have it. Like doesn't have the habit of watching it. But for me, I grew up watching TV before I went to bed. So it's kind of always been like a habit and I'm obsessed with horror films. (laughs) Absolutely obsessed. So like I love watching a horror film when I go to bed. And then when we got together like three years ago, kind of when I started this sober journey, I stopped watching TV. And when we moved in together, we didn't have a TV. So till this day, we don't have a TV in our house. I love that. And now I'm starting to watch again, but I straight up didn't watch TV for two years when I was going through my sobriety because things can be so triggering in your environment and TV was so triggering like every TV show that I watched had wine at the dinner like just people getting fucked up I loved fucked up like euphoria like love that show but it's triggering yeah so when I'm vulnerable and like trying to not do those types of activities I can't watch it because it makes me want to do it you're so right it's like there's pretty much drinking or partying in almost every series or movie and at some point in it Mm -hmm. and since you obviously don't know what's going to happen in a TV show or movie, how do you really like know what scene is going to come next? Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading that in like the preface of your book. Is that what you call the... Oh, um, I call it my poet's note. Poet's note. Yeah. I was like, there's a cuter word. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. I did write about that. I honestly forget because I wrote this so long ago that I kind of forget the pieces that are in it. But yeah. You saying that though, Karen and I always say we don't remember what we say on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm listening to other people podcast or watching something, I can remember like verbatim what they said and like stats or insights or some quote. And then I'll legitimately have no idea like what I say on here. It's like I like black out and I just like it like channels through me. I have no idea. Totally. Especially if it's part of your story, it's just like already ingrained in you. So you can't remember like what you said or wrote, you know? Yeah. So in the that. same way that like in real life, you're like, wait, did I tell this friend that or that friend? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, totally. I understand how that could... And, when did you start writing the book? So I talked about this book on that first podcast. I was, because I, you asked me about my sobriety. Mm-hmm. I was kind of brand new to it. So in 2020 was really when I started. Did we record that in 19 though? Or 2020? We recorded January 2020. So, no, 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 no. 2021. Okay, so 2020 was when I started, but I wasn't a type of person that was like, I'm going to be sober. And then it was just like, I was sober from that day. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of trial and error, if you want to say, (laughs) with that. So it kind of took me a while to like get my flow and rhythm into sobriety. All the pieces in the timeline is like adding back up for me. Yeah. 2020 was when it like hit me really hard when I was like, okay, I really have to switch up my lifestyle. So that's when I started, but I really didn't get like fully sober until like the last time I drank was three weeks before my wedding and I got married in 2022. So, so one full, you hit one full year. <laughs> it's a little yeah. over one full year without alcohol. Yeah. Congratulations. And that's kind of why like my book coming out, it kind of feels like a sober anniversary, you know, yeah. like you celebrated your sober anniversary. This is kind of how I'm celebrating. That's really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Okay. We have so many ways we could like navigate I this know. conversation. I feel like first we'll do our 
podcast housekeeping, which okay. is catching up a little bit, sharing our peaks, how you started the book, how to write a book, what you've learned along the way, and then get into some juicy details, maybe some stories about okay. what's inside. Oh, I can spill some about, tea. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Transparently, I am plopping the peak of the weekend because Amber and I just got chatting and we didn't do it. And that is a sign of a good conversation right there. <laughs> So my peak of the week, me, my dad, his wife, Justine, and my sister and stepbrother, we went to Top Golf last night. And I just love some good family time. And I'm so blessed to have like such cool parents. Like Clay and I talk about it all the time that we're just like, how do we get so lucky to have not just like awesome parents for their own age? I like want to hang out with them more than people my own age half the time. <laughs> I I feel that like good family members is amazing. Like my mm-hmm. sisters are like like my best friends. So I feel that. I'm I feel that. That's a, that's a good peak. And what was yours? So my peak is really just today because yes. Yes. <laughs> first off, getting to see you is always amazing because it's just like we can like go on forever. But this morning I knew that this day was happening. So I wanted to really make it special. And I live in a high-rise apartment downtown Kansas City that doesn't have a bathtub. I'm like for the amount of fucking <laughs> money we pay for this apartment and we don't have a bathtub, I get so upset. So at my parents, I'm staying with them this week. And I took a bath this morning and it's been months since I've taken a bath and I had the bubbles, the salt. My mama knew I was coming home and she prepped it for me. So I, that was like, get me in a bathtub and I will be happy. Michael, my husband will be so disgusted by me because I'll take a bath wherever. Like I will do it in a hotel, even if it looks sketchy. I will like scrub that shit and then go in the bath. So in your dream mansion one day, the jacuzzi if tub. <laughs> if there is not a clawfoot tub, it's not a mansion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I love it. Um, we're going to read some of your guys' peaks of the week. Aw, this one's like on brand for today. Elena said, hanging out with my best friends all day. Cute. I feel like the hardest part for me when I'm like hanging out with my good friends is to stop hanging out. Mm-hmm. Like even right now, I'm like, you're not leaving. I know. You know like, I'm going to go back to Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> And then I'll let you read one. Okay. Ooh, I like this one because this is like big girl grown-up shit. Sarah said, set up a Roth IRA for myself. Ooh, get on those finances, girl. Especially before year end. Max out. True. We love it. Aw, and Grace said, getting engaged. Congratulations, Grace. You're so sweet. Kate said, I went to hot yoga for the first time in a while and my body felt so much better afterwards. I'm obsessed with hot yoga. If you're in Kansas City, go to Sweat Theory. That's like my secret plug. I go there all the time, which I probably shouldn't tell to a podcast, but it's amazing. It's so crazy how hot yoga can like literally detox you. It's my favorite thing. So. No, literally, like it like rings you out. On Sunday, I was having an angry morning and the class was at 10 a.m. And I was like, Clay, let's just go to hot yoga. Like we can change the whole tone of the day. And we went, we were, he was literally shutting the door. And we were like, no, yeah. <laughs> we like barely made it in. And we were so annoying. We made people have to move their mats so we could like get in. But it changed the entire like trajectory of my like day and week. Worth it. If someone's in a class and they come in and I have to move my mat, I'm like, I've been there before. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not going to be salty about it. Yeah, because it's only once in a blue moon. Yeah. And we all know, like, usually if you're down bad and you're going to a yoga class, you're like, I'm here to, like, fix the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trying to make it better. Issues are in the tissues. Stretch those babies out. Oh, I love that. <laughs> 
Well, as always, guys, send in your peaks of the week on our Instagram story every Monday at Already Friends Podcast. And every Wednesday, watch our story to see if you are listener of the week, how to get listener of the week. Leave us a rating and review on Apple or Spotify and just be a supportive queen or king. Shout us out, comment, follow us, all the things. All right, back to the episode. So the last time I saw you, you came up to Omaha. That was like this summer. Mm -hmm. So it's been a couple months. Obviously, you and I have chatted on the side. But from this summer to now, like what have you been up to? Share with the listeners like what the last couple of months have been like for you. I mean, I really feel these last couple of months just like making sure that like the book's going out and stuff. I am feeling so many things of just when you work on something for like three years and then it's about to be over, there's like this built up it like excitement, anxiety. Mm -hmm. Those two feelings are very similar to me. I feel like excitement and anxiety are such a similar feeling. So it's kind of how I've been feeling the past couple of months, just the build up to this. Because once it's over with, like once it's launched and out there, it's done kind of, you know, and you're like, mm -hmm. you have this new free brain space to do something new and exciting. So I am like super excited, super nervous for it to come out, but also just for that next step. But like, who knows what I'm going to write and next? What? Yeah. I kind of have my idea of already what I'm going to do, but yeah. You do? So I'm excited. I've already been working on it, but yeah. Holy cow. It's so hard for me not. I feel like you're like this. You have so many different things where you are you can go in like business or like side projects. It's so hard to just like not jump ahead to the next. Yeah. Yeah. You know? To close one thing off, wrap it with a bow, give it the love it deserves. Yes. So. Yeah. So exciting that I'm going to tie that <laughs> fucking bow finally. <laughs> I feel like that's a good reminder that people need to hear because like online, we always see people starting stuff. Everyone's always launching something. There's always a new business. Mm. But, you know, they call it quiet quitting. You know, most people aren't like, yeah, I, I stopped doing that thing. I closed this business. So there's I've this- I've never heard that. There's always this like thing, you know, to like start another thing, start another thing. But no one ever talks about when something ended. My mouth is literally open, <laughs> dropped right now. Quiet quitting. Quiet quitting. That's a real thing. Yeah. And whether it's like, you know, everyone's always starting a new workout program. They're always on some XYZ journey or coaching this group now. It always something. Straight up. That was how I was with 75 Hard. I made it 60 days and quiet quit. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it takes a lot of strength to just like go onto the internet and be like, yeah, that thing I started, I actually quit. And because mm -hmm. like on one side, you're like, does anyone care that I quit? Like didn't even even notice. And then the other side is like, well, I don't want to like admit that I quit. Yeah. And so we like make other excuses like, well, I had a trip come up or life got busy or mm -hmm. this thing came. But it makes for a lot of really unrealistic expectations when you're always online and you'll see all of this new starters launching more, more, more buying stuff. Yeah. But you don't ever see people stopping things. And in real life, when you're talking to people, people quit things all the time. It's like, oh, Amber, how's 75 hard going? You would immediately say like, oh, I made it 60 days and it was great, but I like stopped. Yeah. But like, that's not the lens that we get online, which is another reason why I've just been loving living life and base reality. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good for my mental and apparently my thumb's health. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, yeah, no, I, that's like a phrase I'm going to keep in my mind. But to go on that, keep on that thread of quiet quitting, no one really fucking cares if you quit. No. Like, so why not? Like, I'm sure if I never, if I went on that, that first initial podcast with you and never really ended up writing this book, book, 5% of people, uh, the amount of people that say they're going to write a book 
only 5%, it might actually be 3%, one of the two, actually finish writing the book and getting it published. So it's such a low number of people that say that. And I could have easily been that, you know? Yeah. You would have never known. You would have never followed up. No one would have cared, but it's I cared. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how much do you want that, you know? Yeah, which I guess goes to show, like, you just have to believe in yourself because everyone is always focused on the the projects that they're starting and their families and whatever. And so you really have to be your own advocate to, like, not quiet quit on things you really, really care about and boldly quit on the things that like aren't serving you anymore. When Mm -hmm. my mom came on in the spring, she was saying, she's like, call me a quitter. I don't care. Like I'll quit anything. Like if I don't like it, I'm quitting because life is too short and we need to normalize, like stop doing stuff if you don't want to do it anymore. Are you the type to quit a book if you don't like it? Like if you're reading it, will you stop? That is so funny. We had this debate actually like a few months ago Mm -hmm. and I will. Like, Mm. hard stop. There's so many fucking books out there. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to just, like, make myself finish it because I feel like it's different. Like, say I'm in the middle of a workout and I don't want to finish. Like, if I do follow through, I get so much, you know, physical and mental benefit from seeing that through. Yeah. But if it's some, like, fiction story and I just, like, don't really care about the end of it, I don't really see it as, like, a lack of my discipline. I see it as, like, a waste of time. Mm -hmm. But I can see why people want to finish, but, like, I'm just not going to do it. I'm the quit on a book, too. You are, too. But same with, like, a TV show, movie. It doesn't matter what it is. Yep. Not into it. Turn it off. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, What else has been going on the past couple months? Also, tell the listeners what you do for work. Yeah. So this is kind of me as a poet is my side hobby, you could say, because full-time I own a video production company with my sister in Kansas City called Stellar Image Studios. So I'm mostly on set like every day, um, editing videos, telling stories. We're mainly like uh, corporate commercial stuff. So it's like high-end clients, you know? So that's, it keeps me busy, you know? I hope you know how like badass your line of work is and like you guys starting that it is thanks girl really cool yeah and you have really cool clients and really cool projects and getting to work alongside your sister like you have an awesome story yeah that is probably the most beneficial thing because I know how hard it is to work with family and I'm not gonna deny that like if someone says I want to start this business with my sister or my dad blah blah I'm like be careful like because you have to put in the work in your communication it's not a walk in the park and I would not I would do it again with my sister I would not not do it again but it's been one of the most challenging relationships that I've had to navigate because running a business with someone, I'm sure you and Kara know what it's like or you and other business partners. It's hard work. You have to have uncomfortable conversations. And like often. Often. You might think like before you started like, oh, maybe like once a year we'll have like a hard conversation. No, Mm -hmm. often. And you and Kara are the same way of kind of my sister and I in terms of you guys have different personalities. You guys just think differently. Like Mm -hmm. I always say I think in color and she thinks in text. So like there's going to be issues that arise, but those issues, once you go over the top, like once you solve Mm -hmm. them, you're so unbeatable. And like, there's a bond between my sister and I that no one will ever be able to break. Any person that tries to come between us, that just wouldn't happen, you know? Yeah. And you guys wouldn't have gotten to that without starting the business together. Like you might still be very close, but Mm -hmm. in a different way. Yeah. Because we were close. We like backpacked around Europe together. Like we traveled a lot together, but there's nothing like running like a legit business with someone, you know? Yeah. It's 
challenging in ways that you can never, ever anticipate. I was Mm -hmm. listening to this podcast the other day and they talked about how entrepreneurship is like going skydiving, but you actually don't have a parachute. And but then they give you you find some like material on the way down, like in the sky, Mm -hmm. but you actually don't know how to sew either. So while you're free falling, you have to teach yourself to sew and how to sew a parachute and then how to land. And (laughs) I was like, yeah, because there's no guidebook and every business is completely different. So even if you have, you know, another company that you look up to that's in a similar industry, like you're not going to do it exactly like how they Mm -hmm. did it. And so you're and the people that you work with are different than at another company. So your dynamics are going to be different. Mm -hmm. And and it's in the same way, like parenting, you know, there's tons of books on it, but like how you parent your kid is there's no blueprint for that. Yeah. And you're just learning live, which is extremely challenging sometimes. Yeah. I do. Like I have the benefit of starting the company so young because Mm. I was just naive as fuck. Like I, it's just kind of like ignorance was bliss mm. because if I would have known all everything that comes with it, with like just taxes, payroll, all that type of stuff, uh, dealing with clients, th- those types of conversations, just they're, they're not fun. And when you start the business, all you can think about is the fun, mm-hmm. you know, so... I kind of was lucky. So was my sister. She was young too. So, Well, for anyone that's thinking about starting a business or is new in business, do you have any advice for them? I'd probably just really figure out your why mm. behind it. Like what's, because if your why isn't that strong and like it's not driving you every day and there's not that strong purpose, it probably, it can quietly quit it. It'll be one of those. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because then if it's not making money or you're not seeing the results or Mm -hmm. you're not having fun, then it's just going to be easy to be like, well, this isn't what I wanted it to be. Yeah. There's this one book that I wish I would have read when I started the business. (sighs) It's slipping my mind, but I'll have to like send it to you. Yeah. I can link it in the show notes. Yeah. Because this one book, it's just, that's the book everyone should read if they're starting a business. My husband just started a business and I was like, read this book, read it, read it, read it. At what point did you read it in your journey? Mm, Three years in. Yeah. Yeah. And how many years have you had this now? Five. We just had our fifth year birth, our five-year birthday party. Uh, It was so cute. Yeah. Each year, do you feel like it gets a little bit easier or is it not necessarily that it's easier? You just like know ah, you have more tools in the toolbox, more tools in the toolbox. It just it doesn't even feel like five years. It just they all blend, you know, but I do have to say we did at our like birthday party. We did a scrapbooking like Mm -hmm. we just scrapbooked the past five years. And it was so funny to see like each era of sis, like from like when it was just me and my parents basement to us going full time getting employees and like the wave of employees that have came through and the ones that have stuck for years and years, you know, like our first employee still works with us today, you know, so it's just cool to see that reflection on the years. And that it's going to keep changing. There's going to keep being more eras. And yeah, I do have to say this year has been one of the best years ever, though. And is that also part partially a testament to your growth outside of work? Totally, totally. Just the your personal life will always bleed into your work life. So if you you're unstable, your work's unstable. I could not agree more. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of when I really honed in that sobriety aspect, that's like been the biggest life-changing thing I have done in every aspect, 
work, relationships, all of the above. Same. And I think that at the time of going alcohol-free, my mind maybe wasn't aware of the areas of my life that it would help. But now if someone was struggling with anything, whether that's their relationships, their weight, their career, and they were drinking a lot or Mm -hmm. using other substances, like the first piece of advice I would probably give them is to work on their relationship with those substances because it bleeds into everything. Yeah. That's really this kind of like the purpose behind this book is just to like challenge your relationship with a substance that you feel too connected to. Mm-hmm. Like if you've ever tried to stop it and you feel that like so hard to do, like so hard to stop, that's when it needs, that's probably the sign of like you really need to challenge that if it's that hard to stop. As a retail shop owner, I know how important it is to have a good, reliable POS system. That's why I'm so excited about our sponsor today, Shopify. Shopify has already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source. Track everything across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers both inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash alreadyfriends. That is all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash alreadyfriends to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash already friends. Thank you again to Shopify for sponsoring the already friends podcast. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I remember being like afraid kind of to not drink anymore. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, maybe I'll just like not drink for a month because quitting forever is way too scary. I don't want to commit to that. Mm -hmm. And in time, I worked through that fear. But that was how I knew that I didn't want to drink anymore because I was afraid of what my life would be like if I didn't have alcohol. Yeah. And I didn't enjoy that something had power over me in that way. 
Yeah, so much power. You're so right. The power it holds is insane. That's like the most freeing thing. Mm -hmm. I just love being, the reason why this year has been so good is because I can wake up every day and know that I did my absolute best in conversations or work, like filming something, creating a story for someone. Like I always give my absolute all and I know I have the ability to by having that like free mind of like nothing like blocking with like Mm -hmm. alcohol because it's so numbing. I know. And so much of my fear and anxiety about either like ruining relationships or not getting something done in my career or even like, let's say it was like Easter on Sunday. I would in like in the past, if my family had said like, okay, it's at 9am. My first thought would have been like, okay, well, what if I'm hungover because I like go out with friends on Saturday night. And like, I would not think that now I'd be like, oh, cool. Like see you at 9am. And Mm. there were so many big and small ways that alcohol crept in and like took over the tone of what was happening the tone because that's like it does set a tone because for me I didn't even realize like how physically unhappy my body was just like waking up every day I was groggy and I didn't even realize I was groggy Mm -hmm. you know it's like imagine the for someone listening, like your favorite place you've ever traveled or you try some new food or you meet the love of your life and you're like, I don't know how I ever lived without them. That's what I feel like sobriety is where I'm, I look back and I'm like, how did I ever make it to class in college? How did I get my stuff done? How did I actually have friends? Because alcohol was just, me and alcohol were doing the most as a team. Yeah. I was burning my body into the ground. I would say things that maybe I believed, but didn't always need to be said. I thought like my opinion always needed to be out there. It goes to show how resilient your body is though. Like if you're poisoning it that much, like we both probably were, your body can still function. Like there's highly functioning people on drugs and alcohol every day. And that just shows how resilient we are as human beings. But the superpower is the not giving in to those things that like just give us temporary fixes because the long-term effects are so much better like having that clear mind. No, you're so right. Being sober is such a superpower. Like if anyone maybe looks at us and is like, how do you do it all? How do you run a business and and like have a husband and a dog and like write poetry and do all these things? And it's like all those things were not possible when you were drinking. Mm-hmm. And in my life, like I would have never been able to like maintain the podcast, go on trips, manage 1404, have a good relationship with Clay and my family. Mm-hmm. Like when I was drinking, it took up so much space in my life because drinking like takes a lot of time. Yeah. I always say like when you do try to stop, you have to replace it with something else mm-hmm. because it is when if you don't, then you just are like, wait, I'm so bored. My life is so boring. I'm boring. It's like, well, go do something then. Find a new habit, hobby. For me, it really became writing because that's kind of when when I was really struggling, I kind of had, I kind of had like the family intervention. A family sits you down. They realize you're having a problem. And originally I was like, okay, like I'll go to therapy for you guys, but it didn't stick. I was always like going and drinking afterward therapy or just like hiding it better from everyone in my life. But then it got so 
so bad really in the 2020 era that it was like undeniable of like, whoa, like you actually need help. And so that was the first time I saw it from other people's eyes. And I went in to therapy for myself. And then when I was able to go in there for myself and be vulnerable with the therapist, that's how we discovered like, oh, you like to write? You haven't written in years? You used to write poetry? Like start doing that again. And that's kind of, I just started really this book wasn't written to be a book. It was mm-hmm. written to just as I was going through. To cope. To cope. Yeah, totally. And Clay and I were talking about this actually the other day when you we were driving around is like, I don't believe that you cannot have any coping mechanisms as a human. Like I, I do think coping is just going to be a natural part of our existence because bad things are going to continue to happen. Whether you lose people, there's hardships, financials, bad things in the world. And you're gonna have to like process those things in some way. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think it's necessarily about like not coping, but it's like, how can you cope in more healthy ways? And I feel like there's, you know, like a a line of like very unhealthy coping mechanisms to healthy coping mechanisms. And obviously even the healthy ones can get taken too far. But if it's option A, you're gonna go drink or option B, write some poetry. Yeah. It's like writing some poetry is going to be a much better way to try to... Yeah, and... It's not like writing was the only thing. I had to find like eight different things to yeah. keep me like, because that's how much I wanted to drink. What and were if some of the other ways? Um, getting a dog. Mm. That was huge because that's like, first off, just unconditional love. Like I actually recommend getting a pet. If you're really trying to like change up your lifestyle, I moved to a different city. So my environment was completely different. I moved, um, that really helped. Um, like I remember you up, rollerblading a lot. I rollerbladed <laughs> a lot. I'm doing golf now. Just like different things like that. Rollerblading was huge. I don't really rollerblade as much as I used to. You were a groovy rollerblader. I'm pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was going to say like the the thing about coping too, it's a lot of grieving, grieving Uh. your past self of who you were. That's why like moving to a new city, meeting completely new people and like there's a choice. Like I could have met the people in Kansas City that like to party. They're easy to find. (laughs) They exist. (laughs) Or I could like go to the writer's workshop on Wednesday where there's a lot of other sober people and like build friendships in that way. It's a choice. It's kind of like nothing changes if nothing changes. So if you moved to Kansas City and didn't change any of the habits, routines, friendships that you had Mm -hmm. when you were drinking, then yes, it would have, could have looked similar. Totally. But yeah, making active choices. Yeah. And those are really dramatic, but that was just kind of like how my life felt. Like I needed to take like some drastic steps to change for me because I just, I just needed that. I think that's really good advice because if someone is trying to stop drinking, it's like, well, how? People tell you like what to do. They don't tell you like how to to do it. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, can yeah, I've been sober for years and people are like, okay, congratulations. Like, what did that look like? The main thing too is everyone says, I have an addictive personality. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned, I read a lot too. I read books about addiction to learn like, what the fuck is this thing? Like, mm-hmm. why am I so pulled? And the biggest thing that I learned, which is probably not what AA teaches, um, because we just have different mindsets kind of. Like I'm not someone that would go to AA, um, but uh, what I kind of preach and like these books that I've really felt connected to preach is it's your environment. Like it's not you, it's actually how you grew up like environment wise. Like what did you see every day? What were you intaking that way rather than like actually physically a part of you, Mm. if that makes sense. So once I was able to be like, oh, it's not me. Like it's not because I have family addicted 
related to meth and fentanyl and alcohol. Cause that's kind of how I was just like, oh, like there's people in my family like this. Like, it's just part of me. Like mm-hmm. I can't help myself. It but kind of let keeps me in you in that. It yeah. kept me in a loop. But then once I was able to break out and being like, oh wait, no, I can like actually transform my environment. I can take my TV away, anything mm-hmm. like that. I can go to different places on the weekend. I can hang out with minds that don't want to do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like that. And yeah, it's definitely no shade to AA. Like there's programs that work for everyone, but I didn't feel called to AA either because I didn't want like this all or nothing mentality in the way like I wanted to be able to like maintain my life as is and maybe that was part of me wanting to have my cake and eat it too Mm. but I didn't want to feel like labeled I guess yeah so that's kind of I we were talking a little bit about this before when we were just catching up is the main thing with AA like I was really scared of like admitting like I'm an alcoholic like standing in front of people admitting that because I even still don't necessarily love it because it's so like punishing on that person rather than like the way that your situation was mm-hmm. of like environment-based situation. So like I didn't want to admit that I had I was an alcoholic because I was so shamed of that word by other people in my family being labeled that, that I was like so terrible. And there are so many people in my family that have stronger addictions that I'm like, oh, I don't even deserve to say that word. Like I am right. not, because I had like a high low, like at a high bottom point. Like I didn't like kids taken away from me, like things like I was single. So to you, your rock bottom was maybe far high. less worse than their rock bottoms. Yeah, people in my family. Yeah. Exactly. Like, so I just feel like I didn't even deserve to say that word in my mouth. And the how we were talking about like the control and the empowerment, I felt like I wanted to be more empowered to like make the choice for myself mm. rather than feeling powerless to alcohol, if that makes sense. Like I wanted mm-hmm. to be like, oh, it can be there. Like that's fine. And like, I just don't want it. Yeah. And how I feel like I got there was realizing how much more there is to gain. Like I'm giving up one thing, which is alcohol, and I'm gaining literally fucking everything. Mm-hmm. And having like honestly an abundance mindset approach to it that's just like, okay, if we dumb this down, I get one thing for math. And if I give up one, I get 20, or <laughs> 20,000, 20 million forever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. And I like, I just had to convince my brain that it was better odds to bet on sobriety. Mm-hmm. And then I would build up trust with my I'd maintain better relationships and have more confidence in myself like again and again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know everyone's is different, but... Everyone uh. is different. And me being like the AA thing, I do know it works for people. Like yeah. I have a best friend that goes like all the time. Absolutely. It does work for people. But I also always said that the writer's workshop that I went to was my AA. And I went to it weekly. Still mm-hmm. go, you know. Yeah, and a lot of people find, you know, a faith-based group or something when they stop drinking. I wish there was just like more... I don't know if I want to say like clubs or groups. And I guess like having this conversation is part of it. But I feel like if there were alternatives to AA, I would have stopped drinking a long time ago. But when I was like 20, I thought my option was be a fun party girl or go to AA. Like I legitimately didn't know there was an in-between where people could just like, I don't know, 
no. Do yeah. other things on the weekends and like not have to have like gone the AA route. Like I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. Okay. I know that you follow them because I saw it on Instagram. You know, Sip Steady. Yes. I like did a call with them the other week just so we could like hang out because of you. So thank you for that. Wait, I, I really? Yeah. That's amazing. Okay, cool. Yeah. So like movement. So Sip Steady is a NA ambassador brand. Like they kind of do these pop-up events with NA drinks. They would go all over in different like little parts of the city. And they're actually going to be at my launch party. They're partnering with me to be there. Um, So people like that, like there actually are a lot more options than I feel like there was 10 years ago. Totally agree. Mm -hmm. So check out that brand because they're amazing. They're good friends of mine. No, you're so right. There's never been a better time to like pursue a sober curious life because even when you and I started going down this path a couple years ago, there was still way more stigmas about it. Like I remember making TikToks and stuff and like getting so many comments and so many questions and like even the term sober curious, not even really being a thing. And like now we have so many non-alcoholic alcohol, zero proof alcohols Mm -hmm. and like NA beers. And you're starting to see more options at restaurants and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like even five years ago, that it was not really the case. And I think the more and more people that just even consider what one night could look like, what what would one Saturday night look like if you did things different? What would a 4th of July, what would a Christmas look like if you did things different? And the more you have those alternative experiences, the more you're like, maybe this is for me or maybe it's not. And that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Totally. But doing those things and having these conversations is what helps like move the needle. And now because of other people that walked before you, now you're being one of those people by like bringing this book into the world. Yeah, it's crazy. This book hasn't even launched, but I've started to talk more on like my other Instagram, like my Amber Michelle poetry Instagram about sobriety. And there's people that I would never expect reach out being like, you've actually, I'm 368 days sober. You've literally saved my life and like brought my family Mm -hmm. back together. And I'm like, wait, what the, I didn't even know you were like listening. Like he's literally never liked a post ever. But I'm like, wait, what? I didn't even know. Mm -hmm. Like I have an aunt that was pulled me aside at a funeral and told me how much me going on this journey has like inspired her to drink less. I'm like, Mm -hmm. wait, what? How does, like this just makes it worth it. That's why this isn't even out yet, you know? So I can't even imagine how that feels for you, like talking about it and getting Mm -hmm. those messages because I've had a few and it's just, it makes me want to cry. Yeah, because like it's easy to get in our our own head and not think that like it's necessary to share, Mm. but it obviously is. And in the same way that there's quiet quitters, there are so many silent supporters and anyone who is maybe pursuing doing entrepreneurship, business, writing a book, anything in those realms, I feel like you have to, I just want to tell you that there are so many silent supporters out there, that like people watching and maybe they're like telling other people, but you don't know about it. Yeah. And it can be disheartening when you can't see that. But then all of a sudden yeah, you run into someone and they tell you that, or you get this message and you're like, wait this whole time. Like it's so encouraging. Mm-hmm. And so just know that like, no matter what it is that you feel called to share in the world, like it's going to be received by someone. Also, I'm obsessed with your alliteration today. It is amazing. My silent, alliter- <laughs> or what was it? Silent supporters. I am obsessed. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 
Well, look, and yours, Seasons of Sobriety. That's oh, an yes. alliteration. I know. So isn't this funny? I'm obsessed with S's. Stellar Image Studios. Mm-hmm. And then Seasons of Sobriety. I'm just like, all the S is my vibe. (laughs) S is a really good letter. I remember one day making a list and I was like, how come everything I want starts with S? (laughs) There's a lot of things, a lot of really good things in life that start with S. I I do love the letter S. I wonder what word has the most letter in it. You know what I mean? I wonder, like, is it S? It has to be S. Like that has to be the most used Used letter. letter in words. That's not a vowel probably. Yeah. Okay, speaking of the name, how did you come up with the name? I know we like kind of touched on it, but like... Yeah, so when I was going through the journey, I was just really, really... I fell in love with the seasons. I'm from the Midwest and just being so in tune with my body, with nature. I spent a lot more time in nature, just getting outside more because there's something just about breathing fresh air or being in cold winter that like hardens you and stuff. Just every everything just became more alive. And especially I was so more connected to the seasons for some reason. So throughout this book, um, it has four chapters and each chapter is a season. So the seasons kind of relate to a phase of my journey. So winter is darkness, impulsivity, addiction, and then it goes into spring, which is healing. Just Mm -hmm. finding all those things that like can really transform you again. And then summer is about loving yourself and just loving everything. And then autumn is, it starts kind of off with a relapse, but ends with renewing. Because Mm. when I had like my big relapse, I feel like that was like the biggest thing that kind of solidified my sobriety was that. Not wanting to ever do that again? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because of the night it (laughs) happened. The night that unfolded. (laughs) So actually relapse kind of ended up being like actually a pretty beautiful thing. Not in the moment, but at the Mm. end of it, it ended up being good. Explain that further if you want to. There's just two ways to look at a relapse. You can shame yourself and be like, oh my gosh, I fucking drank again. I'm such a shitty person. I have a predictive personality. I'm never going to be able to change. Or you can be like, why? Why? What happened? Why did this happen? Like, was it because I was hanging out with someone that I probably shouldn't have? Okay, let me just make a note of that and like maybe not hang out with them as much. Or was it because I was at a certain place that was triggering? Like, that's such an easier way to get back on the saddle, I guess, if you want to say. If you're just honest and like reflective rather than shameful. And so you can learn from it. Yeah. I love that. And while you were talking about the seasons, it reminded me of something Clay and I were talking about the other day as well of in life, it's so easy to just like want all the good. Like I love mornings. And the other morning I was like, if the whole day could just be how my mornings are, life would be great. But it wouldn't though, because Mm -hmm. then you would have it all the time. And like Clay and I were just having this awesome date. And I was like, I just wish we could do this every day. But if we did it every day, it wouldn't be special anymore. Yeah. And the re when you relapse, like maybe then after you realize, like you can appreciate how much better your life is by seeing, you know, like the bad side. Yeah, because really when you're like sober for a while, you almost forget Mm -hmm. how good it is. Mm -hmm. And then when you do relapse, you're like, holy shit, how did I ever do this every day? Yeah. Like how did I drink every day? (laughs) And now I drink this one day and I'm like feeling so shitty the next day. So it's just kind of like, that's why it was beautiful because it was just like, whoa, this really was the reason why I stopped. Yeah. And Dak Shepard, you know how he has that amazing mm-hmm. episode about like uh, day 18, I think it's called. I know who he is and I know he's sober, but I 
don't listen to his podcast. Okay. Well, he relapsed after like 17 years or something like that. And one hitting point that I just love from that is that he said like, like how long had you not drank before you relapsed? I'm pretty sure it was like uh, eight months maybe or like six months. I can't remember. And this was something that I didn't identify with in AA is that like when you start over, like now you have your one year. It's like all about the congruent or like in order, it's not like cumulative. Mm. So it's like you didn't lose those eight months. They were still a part of your story. And those eight months are just as important as the eight months that came after your relapse. Mm -hmm. And where I feel like it's easy to get hung up on like the whole sobriety thing is thinking that it's all about this streak of like, oh, well, it's like he was still sober for 17 years. Like we can't discount how amazing that was. And for you, like those eight months might have been a harder eight months of sobriety than the eight months after your relapse. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you can't write off the effort and energy that you put into that and it not just be like, oh, well now I'm, now I'm back at zero. Mm -hmm. And I remember how easy it could have been to like get in that loop and like be so sad because it was the way, when it happened with me, it was like friends that haven't seen me in so long, but usually we always drink together but they showed up that day. I sh- When they showed up, I was already like gone with the wind because I was just like nervous of seeing them. I don't even have a good excuse. I just did it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that impulsivity happens, you know? And they came sober wanting to show up for me and mm-hmm. planning not to drink that day for me. And I, sh- I show up <laughs> already gone. So I could have, and I was just, they never got to see me Mm -hmm. being that, what I had been working so hard for. Like I was just like that drunken girl back that they always knew, messing stuff up, just getting into trouble. (laughs) (laughs) So I could have like stayed and like been so sad about that, but I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to hold on to that. Like the day's already over. I'm going to just live my life, go back to normal of like how I like to live. Because that's all that matters. Like take it day by day, literally just take it day by day. And it doesn't matter. You know, just don't, if something happens when you fall back, it just really doesn't matter as much as you think it does. Just live better. Like it's just so much better without, and you'll know it the day that you relapse, you'll know it. Just don't hang on to it. I think that's really good advice. And even taking it 24 hours at a time or a day at a time with your book, like how you said your first goal wasn't maybe like, I'm going to write this book and this is going to be the title and this is exactly what's going to roll out. You just did it one day at a time and then it compounded. Yeah. So we can like kind of dive into Let's how it, it like happened writing a book. Please, please. Because I actually wrote this and then I was like, oh wait, this is actually really helpful for me. I'm going to like put it together. And I had someone look over it and it was pretty like generic. She was like, yeah, it's good to go. We can publish it. You can do this in that way. But then I got someone else, like my business mentor was like, hey, maybe you send it to this guy. He's written po- like five, eight, he's older. He's like in his 80s, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how old he is exactly, but he's older, maybe 70s. And he, I gave him a copy and he was like, I actually can't read this. Like, I can't because you need to read this book, this book, this book and learn your grammar and like learn how to write better and then I'll read it. So then I was like, oh, like when I would talk to you guys, I thought I was about to publish the book. And then I have this guy. And at first I was like, "Mm, no, like this is my style. This is my. And then I actually kind of took in what he was going to what he was saying, read those books. And I was like, oh, wait, I actually want to rewrite the whole thing. 
So at first I wrote it just writing it, but then I wrote it for a book. So there was like Mm. multiple phases. Like it's been on the shelf for a while, this book, you know? So that's why it's so exciting to get out. Um, But I also really recommend getting, like if you are writing a book, really get an editor that's going to be honest with you and not just be a yes person. Like the people in my life that just don't always tell me yes Mm -hmm. are my best friends because I don't want someone that's just going to be like, yeah, it's good. You yeah, know? how does that help you? Yeah, I want the honest feedback. So really find someone who's going to give you their honest opinion. And you can, t- there was some things I didn't take that he said, and then others that I did, you know, like some advice I took, some advice I didn't, but like, I really appreciate the honesty that he gave me and it made the book better and it made me a better writer. Mm, mm. How did you find a publisher? So I actually don't really technically have a, I'm going through the KDP, which is Amazon's okay. publishing company. So anyone can really do that. You don't really have to, you, that's, that's like the self-publishing route. So I Myself, I'm self-publishing this, but I really did a lot of investigation on if I wanted a publisher because I originally thought I wanted one. There's this one, I don't want to say it, but there's this one that I really wanted. And then I started like filling out the form and they all they pretty much wanted to know was like, how many Instagram followers do you have? And things mm. like that. And I was just like, wait, I don't have a lot of Instagram followers. <laughs> like you're probably not going to publish my book. And it didn't sit right with me, which I totally understand from their perspective of why that's important. Because actually publishers, they take a lot of the profit, just like the music industry. And they don't help advertise or market. Are you serious? No. That's like the biggest thing because I like Ali Michelle. She's a poet. Yeah. yeah. I reached out to her. I was talking to her about it because she actually, um, I know the publisher, publishing company that she went through. And that's what she like told me. And then I got three other people's opinion from that. And that's all the feedback I got. And I was like, huh. So what are they mainly doing? They will help you get into like Barnes and Noble. Okay. But they won't help you like go on like a tour or like get on on a podcast or do promotional photos or like get anything around. So when you see these people like Ali Michelle, such a good marketing campaign that she has with all of her books that come out, that's all her. And like if she has a team, I'm not sure if she does, but yeah. So that's kind of for me, I was like, wait, I actually, I own a video production company. I can do all this on my own. And it kind of was motivating of like, I want to learn how to self-publish. I just don't want someone to do it for me. Mm. I want to format the book. I want to go and in design and see how this works. Um, so I just really sought out how to do it myself and it was more empowering that way. So I'm so happy with my decision, but that was a decision that was like weighing on me so heavily. Like, what do I do? Like, where do I go? Yeah. And then like maybe being crippled by like, well, I can't take this step because it depends if I self-publish or go through the publisher. Mm -hmm. So how long did it take you to decide? I don't even know how long it really took, but I know it weighed on me for a good three, four possibly five months. I don't know. I honestly feel like that's pretty fast. I mean, going back to how you said like three to five percent of people who want to write a book actually do it. Like, yeah, I my advice would be talk to other authors. That's what I started doing. Mm. I talk I've talked to so many authors just like getting coffee with them or getting on a Zoom call or like DMs and just asking their experience. And they'll be honest. I'd be honest. People are now coming to me asking me questions. And I like kind of giving my opinion and being this place of a resource for people because because I did the work. Like, why not? Yeah. Okay. So you you figure out KDP and you designed, you formatted everything yourself and InDesign cover and everything. So I call in 
she did the illustrations mm. and helped me like get the cover together. She, I use her, she's mostly a motion graphic artist. So like I kind of drew out some things of like, I really loved the line drawing, which that wasn't really her initial like type of art because she's mostly doing like motion graphics and like After Effects. Mm. That's her main thing. But I was like, girl, you got this, right? <laughs> and she did. So she challenged herself. And she is what, one of your friends? Yeah. Okay. Um, I was actually, I work with her husband a lot. He's a drone pilot, cam ops. So I got connected mm. to her and I hire her for like motion graphic work at SIS sometimes just like, like I was a freelancer. Okay. Interesting. So that's kind of how it all, like how I knew her and loved her work. Okay. So you outsource her to help you with some illustrations. Yeah. And like kind of putting it together. I had to go in InDesign and like change things because she actually went on maternity leave and she had twins. So it was like, a dual effort a little bit when she went. So I was like, if you just set it up and like get the illustrations in, I got everything else. But I do have a background in InDesign. Mm. So like, for example- It wasn't totally foreign to you? Yeah, it wasn't totally foreign. And I actually had made a book before for a company that I worked for in the past. So Mm. I had a little experience, like physically making a book wasn't the hardest thing concept for me. The hardest piece was like, how do I pop, like, how do I get it in people's hands? How do I sell it? Mm. Because I haven't done B2C sales. I do B2B. So B2C was like something way new to me. And for anyone listening that doesn't know, B2B, business to business. Yeah. B2C, business to consumer. Yeah. So that was like the scary thing for me. I was like, I've never sold something physically. I mean, for you, like that's what you do, like with clothes. And But for me, I was like, this isn't exciting. This is the challenge. And how did you, I mean, it's still currently happening. What were some of the ideas that you had that you're like, okay, I got to get this book out there. So what, what am I going to do? So... I started an Instagram that was just like poetry. One thing it's like people put me in a box of like, oh, your video. Mm -hmm. So it's like I just had to like start conversing with people of like, I actually am a poet too. Like even changing my title on LinkedIn Mm -hmm. of like business, I don't know exactly what it is, like owner of Stellar Image Studios, poet. So like people just started to wrap their minds around that I actually write too. So I'm not just this one type of artist. I'm like multidimensional. So that was the first step. That's a good piece of advice. Yeah. yeah otherwise if you only have a certain label out there like that's how people are going to probably perceive you Mm -hmm. okay and really just reading your poetry out loud putting just keep putting it out there that was just like my first step just wanting people to know that like I write practice it It, it's just like I know people were looking at that being like wait what are you saying it's vulnerable Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so getting over that I'm just like I don't even care what you say I don't care if it's going to get two likes I really don't because it's more for me than it is for anyone else too of just getting comfortable being Being this new person and just this new like role of my life you know like being out in the world being like I'm a poet like that's for me to yeah. get comfortable by saying it to you. I feel like there people have a lot of blocks up with that. Like I know for myself, like I I wouldn't go up and introduce myself as like an artist or something because I'd be like, oh, I don't know. That's like, that's a really fancy title or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, so to be like, yeah, I'm a poet, like does take a lot of interpersonal work too. It's not as easy as just like retyping it in, but to actually like identify and align yourself mm-hmm. and to feel confident in that. Yeah, and just start going to open mic nights and like within my writer's work, 
workshop. I got a lot of confidence there. Reading weekly to people out loud mm. that in the way that that works is like you get a prompt, you write on it, then you read it. So it's like unfinished work that uh. you're reading. So it's so vulnerable doing that, that you like people are watching you write and then you read what you wrote. Is it to help you get over the fear of like just putting out work and not needing to yeah, be perfect? Yeah, just practice. It's okay. like, so that practice builds up to being like, oh, I'm a writer. Mm, I can do this under pressure. I can do this quick. Yeah. Cool. Okay. What other marketing things have Have I you done? done? Yeah. Um, even just like reaching out to you and being like, hey, like I want to like recircle this. Like we talked about this <laughs> three years ago. Is there any way like we can talk about it again now that it's here? That's a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And just I'm having like a big book launch. I'm inviting my network. So I have like an email campaign going on of just my, which is like, I don't know, maybe like 400 emails of just letting people know like, hey, this book's coming out. I did get that email. It was gorgeous. I screenshot it and sent it to my mom. Aw, yeah. that's so sweet. So I'm going to try to come down. That would be so fun. But yeah, so that was kind of like a thing. There's just, that would probably be the main of just like, in my networks talking about it, kind of the email campaign. And then I started my own podcast of just talking with authors. As someone who you said at the beginning, I'm not someone with tons of Instagram followers. How did you get over the fear of like having to market yourself? Or maybe you weren't afraid of it before, but how did you get yourself to be like, okay, I've got to, I've got to get the word out there. My friend, Nicole Bianchi has given, she's an author in Omaha, Nebraska. She just came out with her recent book, Five Tough Talks, amazing read. Um, and her other book is Small Brave Moves. Uh, she is such a badass. Um, she's worked in... HR like most of her life, but like at really high-end companies. And she kind of came out as this like uh, keynote speaker, inspirational speaker. And I started filming. It's like she hired Stellar Image Studios to film her content. And she's a family friend. And I just started having conversations with her on the side being like, wait, how did you do this? Like she had a pre-order her first time with her book. And she had like 700 copies sold. And I was like, wait, how did you do that? And she's like, talk about it. Just like, don't be afraid to talk about what you're doing. So that's kind of why I started that other Instagram Mm. just to be like, okay, I'm going to talk about it, you know? Yeah. And over time, how you were building up your email list, more people seeing it on socials, like it adds up. It really does. Yeah. And really reaching out to other authors. Like hearing Mm. their stories, what their process was. Everyone does it differently, uh, how they're going to market and get out there. So then the big thing when with my book launch and how I'm marketing it is with Amazon, you cannot do a pre-order. So mm-hmm. no one can pre-order your book. You can only pre-order audiobooks. Interesting. But you can't do like this physical hard copy right here. You can't pre-order your soft copy over there by you. Can't pre-order. So I'm like, wait, how am I ever going to launch this on the exact day that I want to with like not having a pre-order? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what I've been doing is like, hey, my book is going to be launching on this week. And then the day that it happens, I'll blast it. Mm. And then two weeks later, I'll have my party for it as like the celebration. And so what I'm doing at my party is I've been connected to so many poets in Kansas City. I have like 12 people going to be reading. So it's going to be an open mic night with a premeditated list of poets. So if someone was there that's like, I really want to get on that mic, I would not say no. Mm. But 
I have like my some of my favorite poets reading the That's night of. So beautiful for them to come and support you, and you guys to make that together. Yeah, I want to share the stage. Oh. I don't, you know, like I am so collaborative because that's being collaborative and work being with other people and building community is the reason why I'm here today. Is because of all these people that have helped me become a better writer. So why wouldn't I want to share that? And mm. I'm also partnering with Sip Steady. So excited that they'll be there. So they'll have a full bar of mocktails being served. I'm having like cupcakes from Billy's Grocery. I know. What? A, how fun to plan this. I know. It's so fun. I love to just host too. So I'm so excited for everyone to just like, ha- there's a lot of business people showing up and I'm excited for them to get a taste of the other half of my life yeah. into this poetry world that I spend so much of my time because it's just these words are literary magic mm. that these are some of the best poets I there's so much talent I'm so excited for everyone to hear them and I'm gonna be recording it so I have a video crew working my staff will be working <laughs> that night so if you can't even come like there'll be videos of the poets and everything performing so no I'm definitely gonna try to make it if my mom can't come with me to drive me down I'll take I'll take the greyhound <laughs> Hey, I need take, to cl- crash on your couch. I after. have taken that Greyhound so many times. Really? It, and it, I have some experiences. To tell me off my Yeah. Mic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> scary. So maybe find a friend. Find a friend. <laughs> I took it alone, but knowing oh. you, you would do it alone and probably not have a problem. But keep your things close to you is all I'm going to say. Okay. Okay. There's actually a, there's a poem in here called Greyhound. <laughs> wait, can you either read us that one or read no, us I a poem? Read that one. I don't want to read that one. Okay, wait. Yes, please get the book out. I want to hear some of these poems. Whatever ones you want to read. Okay, right. so do you just want me to read one from each or should I? Yeah, let's do one from each. One from each. Okay. And I mean, it's November. So we're like kind of getting into winter kind of ish, right? Yeah, so the book actually starts in winter because that's kind of where my journey started was with obviously like the addiction and the impulsivity. I have some marks, so let me flip through here. Okay. I'm going to start with winter. She's going in poet mode. I'm ready. (laughs) I'm licking my lips, girl. (laughs) This poem is called Bad Girl. Do I want to kiss you or is the liquor making me loose? My lips tingle. Words are slurred, but I heard you're a bad girl. Why does it feel good to be bad? Is there something I wish I had? Friend to be a lover. Forever love or forever friendship. Lover was never friend. For a friend never whispers, you're a bad girl. It could have been the white powder he rubbed under my gums, showing me what it takes to be truly numb. It could have been the heat of his body between my legs. I would have fallen in love if our eyes locked, but his focus was blocked. You're a bad girl. I left with the morning sun. He slept till noon. I never knew what to believe. Am I good or am I bad? Until certain, I act like what he told me I am. I'm a bad girl. For a bad girl is a bad girl as soon as she doesn't stop the person who claimed her to be one. So good. Oh, thanks. Oh my God. Yeah. So really in in winter, it's a it has like toxic relationships with like a man and specifically like one man. Um, This poem is kind of like a mix of two relationships though, but, and then also like toxic relationship with alcohol. So it kind of goes more into that or drugs in general, obviously. But so yeah, winter is a little dark, but hold on because it gets, it gets brighter. (laughs) (laughs) So then I go into spring. Okay, this one's from spring. This one's called family dinner. 
I lost pressures in the pressures of my transformation. A sad hole filled when alcohol couldn't. I couldn't feel love in a warm hug, a child's laugh, a hot bath, because nothing filled me like a glass of Chardonnay. My dopamine flushed away. I sit here in a room of people who love me, a forced smile spread across my face so everyone believes I'm okay. Trying to find where the happiness went took time I didn't know I had. I'm no longer the loudest in the room. I sit here quietly to observe. This is not me being reserved. This is me trying to find me with nothing in me but me, without imbibing, alcohol-free. While you drink your drink, accept me, the new me, 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 me. Mm. <laughs> okay, give us more info on that one too. Info on that one? Or, or just spring in general. Yeah, so spring is about like that healing process of like what you have to do to really get to that love that's going to be in summer. So for me, family dinners were actually pretty hard. And it's hard to be like, let's just take Thanksgiving. We're in November with like all the wine getting mm-hmm. poured at the dinner table. Like th- I remember being at this one family dinner wine and I was just like so quiet. Like I literally couldn't talk because of how bad I wanted to drink the wine that everyone else was drinking Mm. and people are like what's wrong with you like why aren't you being like your fun like loud kind of I'm like the class clown in my family like I'm the jokester and so my personality really shifted when I was kind of I'm back to that person but there was a period where I was struggling Mm -hmm. not drinking they're like kind of like what's wrong with you you know and I'm just like fuck nothing I don't I'm just trying not to drink like stop like Mm. I'm just but you know, and not so, wanting to say that. Not wanting to say that, too. Because it's kind of embarrassing, you know. I don't want them to know how much I'm actually struggling mm. with not trying to drink. So it was hard. So that's kind of where that poem was. It's like healing. It sounds beautiful, but healing's hard. Healing is very hard. Yeah. So that's kind of where the, that chapter, there's more poems like that in there. And then summer. Summer is about finding love within yourself, but then ultimately, uh, then ultimately finding. So when I was able to love myself again, that's when I met my husband. Mm. You mm-hmm. know, I did meet him when I was still kind of drinking, definitely not drinking as much, but I was like in the therapy writing about like writing winter, you mm. know, like going through those motions. But this one, this poem is called Sober Sex. I laid on top of his body, our hearts beating, beat to beat. I met his tune as the moon sang us a lullaby, looking at me long like a famous painting. He knew every stroke of my color. His fingers ran across my chest. Your body is a piece of art. Taking off another layer, he spread me open slowly. I cracked the window to let the fresh air caress our bodies. We drank the coolness of the night, feeling every sensation and every bit of love. I feel like we should take a second to talk about sober sex too. Yeah, let's do it. I fucking love sober sex. (laughs) How, you know, it's always like drunk, steamy sex. It was like the the movie version. Mm -hmm. But sober sex is like by far the best sex like Mm -hmm. ever. Not even penetrative sex, like cuddling even. Like it's different when you're both fully present and wanting to and observing and feeling and oh, I can't even I I probably for most of my relationships in the past I definitely was drunk for most of them most my like most of my relationships I was drunk because usually I was kind of going with a guy that like was into alcohol and drugs so much so it's like yes I probably did have sober sex in the past but like not I was still like in that 
crazy chaotic environments and like headspace. But um, when I started to have sober sex consistently, I was like, oh my gosh, this is really what an orgasm is. Like my husband was the first one to really teach me what an orgasm was. And like, he like bought me my first vibrator and things like that because I just wasn't even, the guys weren't even paying enough attention to me mm-hmm. when they're drunk. Like they they're not, they're not they at all. Be. Yeah. So it's like, once I started, he like cared about me mm-hmm. and like, what I, how I was supposed to have pleasure. And that was such a new concept to me. That's why I'm probably so in love with him (laughs) because he taught me so much about my own body. Mm. I'm like, I will never be able to like repay him for that. Um, So what a gift. I know. Right. Like that's really seeing you on a, like a whole different level. Yeah. Um, He always recommends this to men, this book. It's like She Eats First or something like that. It's on our bookshelf, but it's a book that really teaches men how, like the woman's body. And it's actually a really good book for women to read too. It's been on my list. I haven't read it yet, but I really want to because I think it's so like beautiful to like have like healthy pleasure, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so that any men respect reading, read that. too, I feel like is different. Like going back to the tone of alcohol, there's not really like a lot of respect with alcohol. Like that's just not really what drinking is about. And so when you're like bringing alcohol into the bedroom, I feel like it's easier for boundaries to get crossed, for you to act out of character, to say things that you maybe wouldn't say, do something that maybe you don't, you would regret later um, or feel uncomfortable with. And when you're sober, you're just so present of how both parties are giving, taking, giving, taking. And yeah, it's just like, it's so beautiful. I feel like to go back would just seem insincere. It wouldn't even feel natural. And like with relationships with alcohol, like I'm going to read one more from winter instead of autumn actually, because first off, winter is my favorite chapter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it was the easiest one to write. And it kind of goes on to this topic of like the opposite of sober sex. So this one's called Him vs. Vodka. Ooh, okay. He was across the bar. I couldn't stop staring. He couldn't stop looking. I was being pulled to him, but it wasn't him I craved. It was the vodka shot. I knew he would buy me. And that there, just like with that, it's just like with those toxic relationships that like are so present with alcohol, it's like I, in the past, I was so passionate about these men in like this chaotic kind of environment that it happened like our relationship was formed around, but it wasn't like him that I loved. It was like the drugs he had and the alcohol that I knew he would have by being associated. So it can really blind you in relationships when you're just like always drinking, always coping. It's like easy to like, even if you have a problem, drink it off, like drink Mm -hmm. and forget. And something about like the drinking chaotic energy. I'm not going to say it made me feel like important, but it made me feel like I had stuff to do and like kind of always being frantic or like running behind. Like it filled up a lot of like time and things. Mm -hmm. Do you kind of know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. That sober, there's a lot of stillness with that, Mm -hmm. which requires you to be reflective. And like now I find to be very, very beautiful. But at the beginning, grieving that chaos is really hard 
because mm-hmm. you're so used to that frantic state. Yeah. I always, there's a poem in here written about this, but boredom is a luxury. Like that's my favorite little line is because mm-hmm. you will find yourself being really bored, but it's a luxury to be bored. There's people out there that like don't have that luxury in terms of like the way that their lifestyle is or like just their like third health. world country, like mm-hmm. things like that. So it's really a luxury to be bored. So like find that boredom and do something with it because it's kind of a blessing that you actually have time to be bored. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So looping back. So on Amazon. Yes. The book will be live on Amazon next week. So by the end of the week, so like whenever this podcast comes out, it'll be ready for people to purchase. I could see this book not only being amazing for someone to buy themselves who's like curious about this, but like a really beautiful, like sober anniversary gift for someone as well. Oh, yeah, it really would be. And just too, it actually, I, it's a quick read, like poetry. You're like, oh, poetry, I got to chew on it. It's so hard to read, you know, but this book was not written in 1920. (laughs) (laughs) Like a lot of some of my favorite poets that it's like, you actually really got to chew on it. So this book actually also has prose in it. So it kind of gives you like an overview of the section or the chapter, and then it kind of dives into the poems. And I feel like you got a sample of the poems right here. It's pretty like storytelling poetry. It's not like too disguised. And it's relatable. You're a 20-something-year-old girl who's like living their life, working in relationships, like navigating college, travel, things that a lot of our listeners are into. So you, as the subject, your story can also, I'm sure, resonate with hundreds of thousands of people. I hope so, because... The books that I've read about sobriety have changed my life. And like, I didn't, I would read another one. I love reading about it because it's just, it helps me like remind myself of like why I do what I do. And to even bring it full circle, a lot of the content on social media and stuff is very positive. Like you see a lot of, even with people talking about sobriety, it's like, oh, I'm XYZ, you're sober now. This is all the great things from it. But in those books and in a book like yours, I feel like you actually get to see the dark side. Mm. And that I think is what people need to read most if they're going through something like this. Because if you only say like, oh my God, everything's amazing. It's perfect. Sobriety was a breeze. There was no hard conversations. There was no bad days. That could lead someone to be like, what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. It's so funny. Winter was my favorite one to write because it was so easy. And kind of a lot of my poems were really dark. And my editor was like, you need to like give some people hope. Like you need to write like about like why like you like being sober. So like those were actually the hardest ones to write, writing about being enlightened and happy. But once they came out and I sat with them, like it was so fun, which we're going to be talking, celebrating this on November 30th in Kansas City. The venue is called Greenwood Social Hall and my friend Peregrine owns it. Have you ever been to Birdie's on 18th Street? Mm, It's like right by No Vacancy. Those little shops. She owns one of the shops, but she also has this venue and it was an old Baptist church that she kind of like gutted and put all these like art installations in there. So 
it is a vibe, just the venue itself. Oh, cool. Yeah. So if anyone is listening and they can come? Oh, yeah. It's open invite RSVP so I can make sure I got enough drinks for everyone. But yeah, if you just go on my page, there's an Eventbrite. So just sign up. It's free. Okay, I love this. Thanks for being so open with everything. I have like one last topic theme that I like want to ask you about before we go into our final question. With your heart going out, all of these pages of vulnerable poems and everything that surrounds putting your heart out to the world and the poem, the YouTube channel and social media. How are you coping with so much of who you are going out to the world? It's kind of like, have you ever read the the book Alter Ego? Mm -mm. Or like, have you ever heard of Beyonce talking about Sasha Fierce? She has an alter ego, she says that she is. So it's like you have to envision yourself being a completely different person. It's like your alter ego vibe. Mm. I need to name mine. I haven't named her yet, but I envision myself, like I meditate on being, I am meditating myself, Mm. reading my poems, being powerful, feeling empowered. So I would say that's kind of how I've been able to get through it. I've been so nervous for this to come out for people in my family to read it because I don't feel like I even can deserve to write about this topic compared to other things that my family has been through. So it's been very scary to do it, but kind of having that like alter ego has helped of just being, no, I am doing this. I went through these things. These are real. Mm. And like, despite anything, these this is my truth. This is my story. That's a really good answer. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Okay. Well, wrapping up with our final question, you obviously answered it in our first episode with you. So I'd be curious to know what, your answer was back then versus now. What makes a good friend? Yes. Do you remember what you said back then? I have absolutely no idea. I wish I would have listened to it. I feel like accepting someone's change because like I know, especially like my husband is my best friend right now, which is lame to say, but I can't help it. He is. (laughs) Clay is absolutely mine. Yeah. And we've both changed so much and especially like he's accepted my changes and like in every little aspect, like even if I want to like dress up and look look like a complete like like I will look like a different person every day sometimes like sometimes I look more like kind of how a boy would dress or sometimes I'm like super cowgirl vibe and like it doesn't matter I just need a good friend will be someone to accept your change and no matter what that is in what capacity? Michael is incredibly supportive. And you are just someone who lives your true self and lives loudly. And he obviously knew that when he signed up to be with you. I don't think he knew how much. <laughs> 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 and it's really cool that he supports you through whatever era you, you're going through or who you want to be that day. Yeah. Find a friend that can like go through these eras with you because it's it's natural to change who you are, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, it's growth. And so it's so important. Find a friend that will be there for you through that. Yeah. And it is inspiring to have friends who do change a lot. Like I know we were talking about like high school reunion stuff and how we have some people we've known from high school that like haven't changed that like getting scared thinking about it (laughs) my eyes twitching you know like 10 years later they're the same person not that that's right or wrong or that 
we're better than them or other people who have changed are better. But like having the self-awareness to reflect on maybe some areas of our lives that could use improvement, it's huge. Mm -hmm. And that takes so much courage to own that and change. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what would you say? Do you guys ever say what makes a good friend? I think someone one time was like, someone asked us, um, hmm. Reciprocity. Explain that. Um, Like a really good balance of yin and yang. Like when we're hanging out, I ask questions, you ask questions. Mm -hmm. If you're sick, I help you. If I'm sick, you help me. If I'm going through this thing, you might offer this suggestion and vice versa. And if I give you space to grow, you give me space to grow. And if I'm out of line, tell me I'm out of line and I'll tell you. Like just that yin and yang back and forth, however that unfolds and manifests as you grow evolve. Yeah, yin yang creates a bang. <laughs> Here we are. Alliterations. Um, on, is that an onomatopoeia? Is bang? What's an onomatopoeia? No, it's not one, but it rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how can everyone support you? I would say grab a copy of the book. Get- grab multiple copies of the book. <laughs> get one for yourself. Get one for your family, your friend. Yeah, it actually does help so much, especially this week that it comes out just for like people, like even if you're not like struggling, like there's a lot of people, like if you like purchase, it could help someone else because it just like, grows higher you know what I mean like on the list on Amazon Mm -hmm. so like it really would help a lot yeah, to meet those eyes of the people who could really, really use it in their life. Yeah, and now that you've heard some of the poems in the book, you could write a review too. That would be like, don't go away at me. I would love you. And writing the review on Amazon. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Any and other then ways? Maybe, and then just come. If you're coming to support or you're supporting by buying a copy and you're in Kansas City, come to the book launch and open mic night and just like feel the community that I have been so blessed to be a part of. And I know you said you had an email list. So do you have? Yeah. So I have a website, ambermichellepoetry.com. So like you can sign up through like little updates through there and stuff. Perfect. Oh my God, you're so inspiring. You did the thing. I did. Yay. Did you think that this would happen? Yeah. Hell yeah. I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not initially, but at one part of the process, I was like, yeah, it's going to happen because I'm not going to stop. Like it's going to take a couple years because of other commitments I have in my life, but it gonna happen and it's it. (laughs) I love that you gave yourself a reasonable, realistic timeline though. I think a big part of quiet quitting is not being realistic about how long things can take. Yeah, there was a time where I was like rushing it and it wasn't becoming like helpful anymore and it was becoming stressful. And I'm like, fuck is even the point? Like if I'm doing this and it's like stressing me out and really it happened because like when I was building the Instagram, I was like posting so much, trying to like get it out there. Mm. I'm like, I don't even care anymore. This is like not it's supposed to be fun. Yeah, it it's supposed to be just healthy. Mm-hmm. Even so, like the whole once I wrapped my mind around like I don't have to post every day. Like I know people probably think that they do. For me, it wasn't helping my mental health in any way. So I'm like, okay, three times a week is gonna be good. <laughs> I love that you just said it's supposed to be healthy because you're right. It's not always fun per se but the things that we do we want them to be healthy and good yeah. for us yeah Aww. well thank you for making the drive to omaha today it's been so fun to hang out i know i'm gonna give you a hug okay <laughs> thank you so much this was so fun all right we'll catch you guys next week bye see ya <laughs> 
Okay, wait, really quick before you go, if you want a chance to be the Artie Friends Listener of the Week, we have something for you. Leave us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And for bonus entries, there's so many ways to support our show. Share about us on your Instagram story, engage with us over on TikTok, post on our Facebook group, join the Patreon page, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure to send that rating and review to our Instagram page, Artie Friends Podcast, and we pick a new Listener of the Week every Wednesday. We'll send you a $10 Visa gift card if you win, just as a way of saying thank you to buy you a coffee, buy you a sweet little treat, whatever you want. Thanks again, you guys. We appreciate you so, so much. And we'll catch you next week. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.